Let's pray. God, I love you so much, and I thank you for this morning. I thank you for, for these students that are here. And I just ask and I pray, Lord, that, that you would show up and meet with us as we open up your word, as we hear from you today. God, I pray that, um, that God, you would just wake our tired heads and lift our eyes towards you because you're worthy and you have something to say to us today. So Lord, speak to us now and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, man, I, again, am so glad that you're here with us, and I'm so glad that you're, uh, you're at church today. I know that there's one, a million other places you could be, and the main place is in your bed. And uh, as you're yawning and a lot of red eyes this morning, that's okay. The only thing I would ask is that you, if you see your neighbor fall asleep, just elbow him. Just, just give him a, you know, elbow in Jesus' name and just say, hey, pfft. I love you, but wake up. So, but uh, today we're going to continue in our Their Side series. Last week we talked about Jesus' mother, Mary, and what we're going through in this series is talking about their side of the story on their side of the cross and, and Jesus, how the cross affected them in taking characters that we normally don't talk about during the time of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. In a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate Easter, the resurrection of our Savior. And that Friday, we're going to uh, celebrate Good Friday together. And we want to invite you to our Good Friday service. We want to invite you to our Easter service. We want you to be there. We want God to just do something big in your life. And he, we know that He will. And uh, we want you to bring a friend to that stuff and just, just talk about what God has done for us, has reconciled us to himself through Jesus. And it's, it's such a big deal. And so last week we talked about Mary and how her dreams were interrupted by the cross. And, and basically her dreams were interrupted by what God wanted to do in her and through her by giving birth to her son, Jesus, God's son, Jesus. And today we're going to talk about a guy uh, in Scripture that we don't normally talk about during this time of, of the cross. We might hear about him later, but we don't really hone in. And I'm just, I'm really, really, really excited about today. So when you were, before you were born, when your folks found out that they were pregnant with you, whether they, knew, they, they went through and got the ultrasound and knew what they were going to have, knew your gender, that they, when they found out, they had something picked out for you already. You know what that was? Your name. They had your name picked out. They, they knew, for most of you, some of you, they were like, oh, we got to wait and see, you know, just if they have a brown, you know, brunette, I don't know, that joke failed. So anyway... I'm okay to admit when something goes flat, but so they usually nine times out of 10 have a name picked out for you. And so when you're born, they have that name. And, and for me, my name was Ryan. It wasn't for my, it, duh, it's Ryan. But for my family, my family wanted my parents to name me something else. So I have a cousin named Matthew and I have another cousin named Mark and I have an uncle named John. So any idea what they wanted to name me? Yeah, my parents were like, no, it ain't happening. 
And so they named me Ryan. I asked my mom, I was like, Mom, why Ryan? In the 80s, you know, that was, that was not a popular name in the 80s. And she's like, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cool. And it wasn't Luke. So it stuck. And so my name was Ryan. There's no popular thing. It's just Ryan. And I'm okay with that. So some of you have some really, really awesome names and like names that I would say, man, that's really cool. And I'm just... Ryan. And so growing up, and you've probably had experienced this before, but growing up, as, as I grew up, my, I would meet different people and I would, you know, you always had the uncle or something, but you always got a nickname growing up. Any, I mean, anybody else ever have a nickname? Man, I had a nickname. I had a few nicknames. One of them was Rhino. My dad used to call me Rhino. I don't, it was a very original, I know, and very creative, but Rhino, R-Y-N-O, he would call me that all the time when I played Little League Baseball. That was his nickname, Rhino, and I knew he was talking about me. I was like, Snow Cone. So that's what I'd be, that's, that was our thing. And so, so then I got a little older and I started going to church and I had a preacher, uh, he, he would call me R.G., and there used to be this Baptist preacher named R.G. Lee, and he would, he called me after him, R.G., and, and that's just how, I, I think he just never could remember my name, so he just used my initials, and so, and, and so I, I just have these nicknames for, for me, and you have these, these nicknames, I, I have nicknames for my kids, and they're, they're super creative, Lily is Crazy Head, and Lucy is Picklehead, and Eli is Pumpkinhead, that's just how it is. And so, and, and let me ask you, did anybody else have a nickname? Anybody in here have a nickname? Somebody shout out your nickname. Let me hear you real quick. One, two, three, shout out. Bobo. Princess. I heard a princess. Belle? Okay, something. Someone's named after a, a Disney character. That's good. Well, listen, we all have these nicknames and we all have these. And here's the deal. Usually nine times out of 10, your nickname is associated with something about you. There's something, a characteristic about us that puts us together with our nicknames. Maybe they play off our real name. Maybe there's something about our looks that, that, that kind of gets us to that nickname or something that we've done. Now, let me throw out a name for you, and let me see if you can guess this guy's nickname, and I'm sure you will. His, he's a biblical character, and his name, if you, can, if you can guess, Thomas. What do you think his nickname was? Tommy. 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 Doubting Thomas. Some of you got it. Doubting, some of you are like, yeah, boy, uh, Doubting Thomas. Yeah. Yes, Doubting Thomas. Yeah. And here's the deal, for years and years and years and years and years, he has been known and will probably forever be known. When you say Thomas in the Bible, he will be, it will coincide with doubting Thomas. And so this morning, we want to dive in and see his side of the cross and what happened uh, in, in his story. And I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, we're, we're going to see uh, about Thomas, kind of see some interaction that he had with Jesus after the cross, see a little bit before the cross, and see how his name, what it really means, that, that nickname, Doubting Thomas. And we hear that, so hopefully that's none of your nicknames. You know, yeah, you're just doubting Thomas, come on over. Hopefully that's not it. But let me give you a little backstory on Thomas. He is a disciple of Jesus. Thomas is a disciple of Jesus. He, he is also known as Didymus. 
Didymus, which Didymus means twin. It means twin. So he could have been a twin. He could have been a twin to one of the disciples. It's really not clear. He had a twin. And so his, his name means twin. His name occurs 12 times in the New Testament. And he was thought to be, in his previous days before he was a disciple of Christ, he was thought to be a fisherman. Now, that's an easy understanding because about seven out of the 12 disciples were fishermen. So it's easy to see that he was a fisherman. And then after Jesus went to the cross, Thomas has said that the disciples went back to their jobs and that was fishing. And so there's a good chance that Thomas was a part of that crowd. He's paired with Peter, and so there, there could be like a connection. You know, Peter was a fisherman, and so he, he could have known that way he, he was thought to be a fisherman. He died in India as a martyr for the gospel. Died, he, was, he was thought to be the, the one who took the gospel to India, and that's where it started, through Thomas. And he died in India as a martyr. He was with Jesus when Lazarus was raised from the dead, and he said these words, let us also go that we may die with him. He was, he was hardcore for Jesus. He loved Jesus, and he knew that Jesus was, was the Messiah. He knew, but something around the time of his death, something occurred, and we're going to read that here in a second, because he's forever known as doubting Thomas, and I want to pose this question to you this morning, is that a correct term for Thomas? Did he really doubt? Now, I have, I usually use the NIV Bible, 1984 NIV, that's kind of what I've always used. I, I love that Bible. It's a very, very accurate translation, and I, I really, really dig it a ton, but I think the wording that it used here is a little different than what the Greek says. And I want to read this out of the NASB. We'll have it on the screens so that you can read it along with us. But I want you to read it in your Bible as well. If you hopefully have your Bibles, and I, want, I pray that you do. Maybe you have it in ASB. It's a new American standard. It kind of breaks it down. It, it kind of gives us a, a different look to what Jesus said. So we're going to start in verse 24, and we're just going to dive on in here. Verse 24. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus has died on the cross. Jesus has come back. And Thomas, for whatever reason, was not around when Jesus came back and taught to the disciples. So for whatever reason, Thomas was not there. So you have to understand that. We have to put all that into the storyline. The other disciples, therefore, were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. We have seen him. We've seen Jesus. He's back. He's back on the scene. He's, on, he, he's here. But Thomas said to them, unless I shall see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into the side, to his side, I will not believe. Now, that's very important, that belief, and we'll talk about belief. You've got to understand, belief, belief, say that with me, belief. belief. That is very, very important. So, after eight days, again, his disciples were inside, and Thomas with them. With them. So, Jesus comes on the scene, 
talks to the disciples, Thomas is not there. Eight days later, later, the disciples are together, and Thomas happens to be in the room. I think it's very important how Scripture names who was there, and it makes a point that Thomas was there. Now, Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst. The doors are closed. The doors are locked. The disciples are in the room. Thomas is there. And guess who shows up? Oh, hey, Jesus. How did Jesus get in? He's Jesus. He goes where he wants to go. That's how he rolls. If he wants to come in the room, he just comes in the room. He don't need no door. Man, he don't need to open it up. He's Jesus. I don't know how he got there, but that's pretty awesome. But if you're standing around and talking, and, you know, the disciples are standing around, yeah, you know, fishing was good today, and I wonder if we'll see Jesus again. I heard about you seeing him. And then, boom, Jesus is there, kind of freaks you out. The disciples kind of got freaked out because Jesus wasn't there. Jesus is there. Jesus wasn't there. Hey, Jesus. Jesus is not there. Jesus. So, you, you, it's huge. Now, freak the disciples out. And here's why I know that it freaked the disciples out because Jesus' first words were, peace be with you. He's like, hey, man, I'm here. It's all good. It's all good. Peace be with you. I, it's, it's, it's me. It's Jesus. And so then he said to Thomas, he looks dead at Thomas and looks him dead in the eye and says, reach your finger, uh, hear your finger and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side. Was Jesus around? Well, of course, he's God and he, he can hear everything, duh. But he wasn't around Thomas when he said those words. I want to see his hands. I want to put my hand, I want to touch where the nails went in. I want to put my hand in his side. Jesus wasn't there, remember? Then eight days later, they're in the room. Jesus shows up. How did he get here? Oh, hey, Jesus. He comes over to Thomas and says, Thomas, put your hand right where my hand is and put your finger in the hole where the nail went. He said, look, it's there. Put your hand in my side. Now, notice he didn't say finger. Notice, what does he say? And put it into my side. Put your hand into my side. He says, put your hand in there. He said, this ain't, this ain't playtime. This ain't recess. This is real deal. He says, put your hand in there. And then what does he say? And be not unbelieving. Listen, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. This is a person, now you probably don't care about this. This is not a, for, for my deep theologians in the room. This Greek right here and the wording that this is put together is called a personal possessive. This is a big deal. Thomas exclaims, he probably shouted out to the rooftops, my Lord, he's here. He's here, my Lord, my God. He's standing right here with me. I did it. I, I know it's real. And then Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are they who did not see me and yet believe. And so we gotta look at this. Some versions say doubting and he's, he's, he's forever known as doubting Thomas, but scripture's pretty clear and the, and, and the reason I like this version is because it really breaks it down to like true Greek. And so there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. And I want you to write this down. If, you have, if you're taking notes, I hope you are. I want you to write the difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is a feeling of uncertainty. 
Doubt is a feeling of uncertainty. But unbelief is an absence of faith. It's an absence of faith. So what was really Thomas feeling right here? It was deeper than doubt. He wanted to believe. It was just a lack of faith. It was a lack of faith. Now, you need to understand what faith is. We need to talk about faith. And so all of you came in this room and uh, displayed an extreme amount of faith. And here's how I know that. Because you were all sitting down. What? What does that mean? None of you came in and and looked at your chair you were going to sit in and went, That's a high quality chair right there. No nails in the padding. Yep, looks pretty sturdy, four legs, back. Yep. Whoa. Try that again. None of you did that. You came in and you sat down and there was no problem because you trusted that that chair was going to do what it was made to do. That's what you did. You had faith and you didn't really realize it, but you had faith and that's what it's talking about here. Jesus had already told the disciples that he was going to die. He already told Thomas that he was going to die and rise from the dead. But when Jesus was on the cross, he went back to what was comfortable. The disciples went back to what was comfortable, what they knew, which was fishing. And Thomas was a part of that crowd. And too many times, I think, when we accept Jesus, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're trusting him at the beginning. You're trusting him. You're going, I will die for him. I'll do whatever it takes. I will go wherever he goes. I will say whatever he wants me to say. I will do whatever he wants me to do. And then something happens and kind of disrupts the flow And it throws us off. And we say, well, God, where are you? I need a sign. Maybe you let a sin come in. Let something that you're comfortable with in. You say, God, where are you? I need you in this moment. And so you're you're, you're like, God, okay, if you're here, let the car horn honk three times. God, if you're around, if I'm outside and I'm, I'm, I need you, God, let a white dove fly by. Let me see a rainbow. Don't just give me one rainbow. Give me two rainbows. And don't even make them this way. Make them this way so I know it's you smiling at me. Like, that's how I want to see you, God. Show me a sign. Do something huge so I know that you're there, but here's the deal. And the problem is that we can have faith. You can have faith because Jesus lives inside of you as a believer in Christ. And you don't have to have these signs and you don't have to go, hey, I gotta see. Because when you accepted Jesus, he came in and that's proof enough. That's proof enough. You don't have to have a a horn honk and, and birds flutter by and Bubbles come down when you come to, and smoke fill the room. No. God lives inside of you. And we've got to go from faithless to faithful. And I think for Thomas, Jesus says, you just got to have faith, man. You got to have faith. 
Stop your unbelief. Stop your unbelief. Stop unbelieving. Have faith that I'm right here. Forever, Thomas will be known as Doubting Thomas. But whatever, or excuse me, forever, how will you be uh, remembered? Will you be remembered as doubting so-and-so? Faithless so-and-so? Struggling so-and-so? But what if, what if we are forever remembered as being faithful to God? What if we're remembered to being faithful, Scott? What if we remember being faithful, Caroline? What if we remember to being faithful, Stuart? What if we are forever remembered as faithful, Catherine? What if we're forever remembered as faithful? When people look back at us and go, that's, that's faithful Ryan right there. That's faithful Will. That's faithful Trip. That's faithful Joey. That's faithful Anna. They're faithful. Imagine, imagine how the impact we could have on our schools. Imagine the impact we could have on our city if we would just remain faithful to him. And that's what we're going to talk about in our groups today. As we go to our groups, we're going to kind of break this down and see how we can tangibly discuss how to be faithful where we are right now. Lord, I love you. I thank you for these teenagers. Lord, speak to us now as we go to our groups, and it's in Jesus' name, amen.